Hello, everyone. This is And Just Like That, The Writer's Room, the official companion podcast from HBO Max and Pineapple Street Studios. I'm Michael Patrick King, executive producer, writer, and director of And Just Like That. And I'm joined by executive producer and writer Elisa Zaritsky. Hello, everyone. Executive producer and writer Julie Rottenberg. Hi. And co-producer, writer, and comedian, author, Samantha Irby. Hey, Sam. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I miss you guys. I'm good. Miss you, too. Miss you. We get to see each other sort of cyberly every day. And hi, Julie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Elisa? <laughs> Superb. We're at episode nine. No strings attached. If you have not watched it yet, stop right now what you're doing and go watch this episode. It'll be much more enjoyable. Trust me. Now, the great holy grail of the series for me in the writing room, from the very beginning when we started to lay out all these different characters, and they all started to be on sort of different runways. Charlotte had LTW, Miranda had Naya, Carrie had Che. Che was the bridge to Che, Carrie, Che, Miranda. Miranda. Um, and then Seema had Carrie as well. Carrie had Seema. My, my great hope, and we kept talking about, it's not a success unless they're all in the same place. Mm -hmm. That's really the goal for me, was to get them all meeting across storylines. And it was sort of the story idea of complete fusion to me. It was like everything has to come together in some episode. And it's rare to think about how to get all these disparate people together. We got a couple of people together. We got Seema with the ladies, the ladies having drinks. Seven. We had LTW way back in episode one with the th three mm -hmm. of them at lunch. But what we haven't had oh, right. is an actual uh, meeting of the characters that are new meeting each other as well as the characters that are familiar meeting the characters that were mm -hmm. new in episode one. Yeah. So we came up with the idea of the women's shelter. Mm -hmm. We came up with the task of Miranda, who is so sort of driven to make lists and create movement forward in the world that she enlists her friends to come and paint, and then they all enlist each other. So the interesting thing is the one that is missing is Che, because we thought, well, that's a, that is literally a bridge <laughs> of a bridge too, too far. far. Che, we even talked about how would Che, che be there? Well, no, Che's a stand-up, sleeps till you know, right. two mm -hmm. in the afternoon, isn't going to get up and paint. And probably isn't at the point in their relationship with Miranda where they're just doing things together that their significant other wants them to do. Which is sort of a cutesy couple thing, mm -hmm. which we always try to avoid like the plague. But we yeah. did have conversations in the room about the embarrassment of Miranda saying, come meet my friends. And we decided to not go that mm -hmm. way. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was sort of a late-breaking idea that I believe you had, Michael, which was Steve should be there. Mm. Because we springboard into big brainstorming conversations early on in our writing process. And then as we're shooting, we're having realizations and we're making changes to the scripts. And your inspiration was that, you know, they would have broken up, but that Steve would be there as still a member of Miranda's family, still with Brady, mm -hmm. and that it would be a great opportunity for Carrie's story and Miranda's story to kind of clash together 
through Steve. Right. And the idea is that Miranda thinks Steve is coming because he's that great. Mm-hmm. And he's fine with it. Mm-hmm. But he has a whole agenda, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. which was why Steve is there, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about when we get to Miranda and Steve and their breakups or break up or break up wherever they are right now. But so we got everybody out there. And then the first thing in production is where are they? Because mm-hmm. it's a big production nightmare to have <laughs> Nine principal actors God, right. all on location. By the way, it was 15 to 25 degrees. Oh, Daylight God. dependent. And One of supposed days. to be a hot, warm, you know, lovely spring day when everybody's... So in know. between every cute joke or every little movement we were pulling we were they were putting parkas <laughs> on, and, coats on. <laughs> and space heaters in the middle of tents on the street so the first thing was we came up with the idea that we could we could own this neighborhood we knew it was going to be in brooklyn because that's where uh naya and miranda live we knew we wanted to be far away from carrie's world so we found this neighborhood in bushwick that we were able to take over for multiple days and there was a, a structure that they went into, and a lot of the inside of the the house we built on the stage. Miguel, our set designer, created this amazing mirage that this was all happening in the same space. And the other production challenge was it had to be right next to something that we could pretend was the hottest club in Brooklyn. So that, <laughs> and magically that happened too. Yeah, we're walking around looking at all these neighborhoods going, is that the hottest club in Brooklyn? <laughs> could we put a sign there? Will that be the hottest club in Brooklyn? But that's production, and that was a nightmare. And John Melfi, of course, who's our executive producer and genius, kept Hero, saying, we'll find superhero. it, we'll figure and it out. And Joe CV, our locations oh Yeah, manager. so the idea really was, the bigger stunt is, what do they all say together? when they get together. And the idea that the audience knows the characters, like, the audience knows Naya more than Charlotte does. Right. Mm -hmm. So when Charlotte gets out of the prom limo and says, are you Naya? You're Naya? And Naya's actually taken aback. Like, Charlotte's further along in the story than Naya is. (laughs) Naya's like, yes, this is Naya. Who are you? Why am I talking to you? And they were so genuinely excited to work together. It did feel like the, the, didn't Lucas say, it's like a crossover episode, like all the disparate characters are in the same place getting to work together. Yeah, they were really excited to be together. And, of course, the, the, the fun thing was the start of it is Carrie, who is volunteering to not paint because she got told not to paint in high school. And Seema, she drags Seema along. And the fun thing about Seema being in there is she's never going to paint. But it has one of the, I think, one of the most, I'm, I'm sure will be a lightning rod line. You can't be the white lady who, who just, just writes, writes a check. check. And then Seema says, oh, it's so hard to be white now. <laughs> now I, so for me, the most kind of thrilling thing is to see these characters actually meeting. And then we had to do plot stuff, which we'll talk about in a minute, about what happens inside the house and outside of the house. But the idea of Naya meeting LTW on the street, to see those two characters meet and have them be so different. And once again, what we always tried to do was show another side and another side and another side. And that Miranda judges LTW for, first of all, having a camera, <laughs> and secondly, and for what she's the, wearing. Yeah. yeah, right. By the way, that's a Moschino uh, couture outfit, and all those brushes, paint, br- makeup, Tools. scissors, everything is sewed <laughs> into the outfit. And she shows up, pops Inspector out of the limousine, Gadget, wearing, I don't know, um, 
thigh-high Thigh-high boots. boots and that sort of jungle safari, uh, safari makeup, makeup safari. It's kind of like a makeup thing. safari. Expert thing. It's hilarious. That was too much. I mean... <laughs> I started cracking up when I saw that. I was like, oh, I know exactly who this person is. That I mean. It's hilarious. And she has a great sort of balance to that is that she's taking pictures and Miranda's mm -hmm. judging it as like it's an Instagram moment because she's judging someone by their prop and their outfit subliminally. And then LTW says, no, no, I'll take pictures and it'll be great for your website. and Fundraising. And you just yeah. see Naya going, that'll be great. And mm -hmm. then... Carrie says, how embarrassed are you to Miranda? <laughs> but the idea that you can have a character be in that couture, ridiculous get-up, and then save the day is what I love the most mm -hmm. about when you get to create characters and write them. Well, also the scary thing of having all your people interact. I think back to the first episode when... LTW says to Miranda, oh, my God, is that wine? And Charlotte says, um, she was had a bad day. She assumes right. it was a judgment. Right. And instead, LTW is like, you're my hero. Pass it over. And in this moment, Miranda is like, oh, God, how is that going to look to Naya? And Naya's like, great. Can you help me get catering for 100 people? Um, so <laughs> it's like when you host a birthday party and you realize some people of your friends have never met before and what's going to come up. Yeah, it's really fun. And the other thing that's interesting is um, Seema, who's played by Sarita, and LTW, who's played by Nicole, are very good friends that no one knew when we cast them. <laughs> and I just found out the other day that Nicole texted uh, Sarita and said, are you doing and just like that? And Sarita texted Like back, back when they first got cast. Maybe why? <gasps> and Nicole says, "Cause I am too." Oh my so, god! So, but they incredible. had never. I, mean, I believe. I believe Sarita said we are best friends, <laughs> like not even good friends. Yeah, and so they had That's never amazing. been on set together. Yeah. And Sarita told me the other night I had dinner with her. Yes, jealous. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, you should yes. be. It was amazing. Um, she said that after she was. Nicole was on the set for the first time watching her do Seema and they're watching the scene where Seema's just standing there and won't take the, the paint rollers from uh, Louisa, Louisa right. and she's just doing that cold sort of like no, I don't touch you. paint no thank <laughs> yeah. you that dry sort of 1930s comedy performance and Nicole looked at her after the take and said so that's what you've been doing <laughs> <laughs> that sort of high strong style comic thing and 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 Sarita said yeah that's Seema and she's like wow because <laughs> she'd that's never seen so her funny. do that type of a performance right. and all that's the performances so that Sarita's ever given that's wild so then it came down to like okay now what happens let's start with Carrie in the story Carrie and Seema are very close mm -hmm. getting closer by the minute and it starts with them of course in line to get into a club, and they can't get in. But what it brings up for Carrie is she asks Seema if she should be wearing her wedding ring because Lisette stopped by and gave her a ring and noticed she was wearing a very innocent silver band and basically said, oh, well, that's interesting. What is it? She says, my wedding ring. And this is something that widows have to deal with, and... I remember over the course of the shoot, it was something, it was like, well, she's still wearing her wedding ring to 
take it off felt like a very big step that Carrie wasn't ready for. Um, and it did, it felt like this symbol of her, where she was emotionally. And we realized we have to deal with it. And, and this and, felt like the perfect. And Sarah moment. Jessica said a couple of times to me on the set, what about the ring? And we had already been in the room going, what about the ring? And the first idea for the ring is, we came up with the idea it was going down a drain. Yep. Mm-hmm. The idea of a ring going down a drain and that the wedding has gone down the drain and that the relatableness of losing something down a drain, it was almost instant drama. Like you don't even have to set it up. Mm-hmm. At one point, she was going to lose the wedding ring at her in house, her and then we remember we and did it was a whole go down, down to Lizette's or in Lizette's apartment, apartment and, underneath, and yes. it was always going to be about this thing she's overlooking, and and how you would have to tear the wall apart to get it. Mm-hmm. And she kept apologizing, but the ring she shouldn't be attached to, but she still is. But we let go of the Lizette apartment when we came up with the idea that it could go down the drain. At the bathroom, at the house, in the middle of a conversation with Steve, that's all about him holding on to his ring and his commitment and his vow. Yeah, well, and, that enforces that storyline. Mm-hmm. Up until that, it's just it's just the ring goes down. And the great thing about the ring going down in the house is when you're doing, I guess, a set piece where everybody's in a house together, what is the drama that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So you're not just doing like a festival of look at everybody <laughs> together. And Carrie, is, of course, always our lead drama horse because it's like people are following this journey of her healing Mm -hmm. and now we're targeting the wedding ring which is a very big deal Mm -hmm. and when it went down the drain it brought up a lot but at first she asked Seema what about the ring and Seema says no priors and that gets them to that they don't get into the club of course because it's comedy (laughs) (laughs) why would they get in (laughs) and then of course the fun thing that we love is personally love is the birthday cake scene with the two of them. And we wanted to hide the fact that it was Seema's birthday. We decided, first of all, we needed a really good reason why they were standing on this line. They're (laughs) 50-whatever years old. Mm -hmm. We we all know some of the greatest memories from the first season were them going to dance clubs. And we wanted to earn why are they waiting online, and we decided it's Seema's birthday. She just wants to dance. That was also a journey of her mental state about what this birthday meant for her and where she was in her life and how happy she was about her life. And that scene between them, we really wanted to we wanted to underscore the fact that she is happy in all other areas of her life. Well, we went the other way first. You remember when in the writing room we thought it would be so funny if oh. they made fun of the fact that they didn't get into the club? We came up with like, why— Club I mean, names for women in their fifties. Remember, we did all of, those things. Like I had, had some, some really of the best. Yeah, uh, it's home before five or home before the night. But the last news. call. Yeah. Last, call. last call is at like eight thirty. But this is a. <laughs> There's a million this is a, chairs. This is a perfect example of something that works in the writing room that we put into the script. The jokes are perfectly viable. They're great. But when at the table read, mm-hmm. when they came out of. Their mouths. Their mouths, Seema and Carrie, the whole thing felt sad. Yeah, we weren't laughing anymore <laughs> we weren't for laughing. some reason. The room didn't laugh. We didn't laugh. The actresses didn't Like It, it, it just— Because they felt like they weren't—they were making gallows died. humor about not being happy 
about yeah. where they were in the world. Mm-hmm. And that was not a, a color that we mm-hmm. liked. Nobody mm-hmm. sort of, it didn't magnify. And so we changed the whole SEMA conversation to f- having her say, she's great with where she is, which of course opens the door to once you acknowledge something, the universe hopefully will send somebody your way when she says, I'm fine if no one shows up. Mm-hmm. At the end of the episode, somebody shows up. But there is a line in that scene between them having birthday cake that I think is ultimate Carrie Bradshaw when she says, okay, so I don't have a wood-burning fireplace, Seema says, and Carrie says, your fireplace is out there. I know mm-hmm. it. And that feels so Carrie to me. Like, of all the lines in the second one, the idea that she's shifted. Optimistic. Yeah, she mm-hmm. still believes. Mm-hmm. She believes But in also it. to call mm-hmm. him the love of your life a fireplace, mm-hmm. to follow that analogy mm-hmm. and say the, your fireplace is out there, not your man is out there, which would seem ridiculous, but your fireplace is out there, mm-hmm. which encompasses everything Seema's dreaming of. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So then, of course, when they get to the uh, to the um, house, Seema's like, this list we're on. This place we can get into. <laughs> and then the fact that he does show up and they are so effortless together and you feel like, oh, they were meant for each other. How, oh. how, how, yeah, because he's ever... hot and smoky like a fireplace. And give it, oh, he her... is. He's hot and smoky like a fireplace. <laughs> yeah. That's great, Sam. I never thought of that. But they are smoking. We have Seema sitting there looking like a femme fatale from a 1940s movie, smoking with red lips. She looks over her shoulder with that hair wave, and there's a hot guy smoking and looking at her. And then they are... And then they're sparring with each other like a 1930s, yes. you know. He gives her shit from mm-hmm. the get-go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is what's fun about seeing the two of them is, aside from the fact that it's unexpected for Seema, she's just sitting there not painting, um, and she's going to write a big fat check, but she's sitting there, and then all of a sudden this guy shows up, and they have no baggage. A lot of the relationships in And Just Like That of the familiar characters have to do with very long, long relationships. All very complicated. Mm -hmm. And here's Seema and Zed. And then you think for the audience, yeah, see, it's still possible Mm -hmm. to have a little bit of Sex in the City and and just like that. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with being 30 as much as it has to do with being available to be surprised. 
We also wanted to reward Seema for getting her ass out to Brooklyn with Gary <laughs> yeah. and going on this uh, right this community building experience. Right, and the reason everybody's at the house is because of Naya. And we knew that since Naya was going to be there, we don't have just the main women characters. We also have their significant people. Uh, you know, Andre Rashad for Naya, and then we have um, Herbert for LTW that we show that these men are there and present. Both are completely different balances. One is perceived as idyllic, mm-hmm. the Wexleys, with their three kids and painting, Norman Rockwell painting scenes. And tons and tons of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when Naya and Andre Rashad are having that you know, micro-mini conversation about their life. Look at look at what they have. Look at, don't you ever want that? And Naya says, they also probably have three nannies and, you know, arrived in a, and, and own a their apartment line. and mm-hmm. uh, aren't still renting. I also love that Naya pushed back. I mean, maybe not super directly, but when he's, when Andre Rashad is pointing out that Herbert is, you know, like, really great with his kids. And she basically is like, well, could you buy me an apartment like Herbert? Could you make my life <laughs> oh, right. like Herbert's you- wife? Then I'll have a kid because that's that's real. Mm-hmm. That's real. And it's also, as soon as he leaves that scene, she turns to Miranda, her new friend, and says, that man wouldn't have seen a baby if it was sitting in his guitar case six months <laughs> right. ago. So the idea that it's not a lifelong need of his. Mm-hmm. And that's something we always wanted to work on with those two, those characters. And every time we talked about it, I remember you would say, we were both, fa-, meaning Naya and Andre Rashad, were f- both focused on their careers. We were both focused on their careers. You never wanted a baby before. And we kept saying, like, that you're allowed to wake up one day. It's like the lawyer in Naya is like, according to, the, you know, pre- right. past is precedent. According to our journey together, you've never been interested or desperate was, to have a kid. We were enough. And now suddenly yeah. you are. And he just keeps saying, I just want it. Yeah, that's the line. Mm. He says, I just feel like I want one. And that's actually mm. why Leroy was cast. Ugh. Because when he said that in the audition, he actually broke. And I thought, oh, I've never seen a male character just go, I want a baby. And he made it real. And the other line in there that's so important is she basically says to him, don't make this miracle of us not enough. Because I believe a a couple that meets is a miracle, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, the game changes a little. And for some people, it is enough who don't have kids, and and they're both on the same page about Mm -hmm. that. And it's like she keeps trying to pull him back. Remember when we were on the same page? Mm -hmm. Remember when we both— You're right, the lawyer, the attorney. I think it's interesting, too, uh, that—I mean, I'm on Naya's side, obviously, as a childless person, but I think it's interesting when someone changes the rules with 10 minutes left in the game. Right. You know what I mean? She's, like, in her 40s, like, if— Having a baby is, like, now a group project. It's not, like, a spontaneous, you know, they've got to work, they've got to pay to get it done. And I think that sort of adds to the, that adds a layer of unfairness. Or I shouldn't say unfairness, but, like, definitely hesitation on her part where it's like, man, why didn't you bring this up 10 years ago when I was, like, 34? Like, 
at least one of these factors would have been less important. Yeah. When you start putting characters that have never been around each other in front of each other, you start seeing mirrors. Like he sees the relationship that he wishes they had. Steve is wondering about what's mm. Miranda's new relationship. Mm -hmm. And the way that the audience seems to be responding to the show is they want these relationships to be the way they see them, which is interesting. Like, I don't want this for Miranda and Steve. I don't want it. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. So our job Boy, is I've to heard a lot of that. <laughs> oh my god. So our job is to acknowledge the Steve camp and yeah. prove his point yeah. and put him where he's there. We would have made a huge mistake if we hadn't given Steve this next chapter of dissatisfaction and a little bit thrown and pressing, mm -hmm. and not cool. And yeah. not going quietly and being the good and, guy. Mm -hmm. And stasis, like a determination to sort of stay married in his mind. And then I other think, people move on. I think in know? the last episode, uh, the one, the couch conversation, he says, I just want you to be happy. Mm -hmm. And that's the first impact. And now comes the next chapter of when this happens to you, right. which is just, what? Yes, figure well, how? it out. The, the belated, I feel like the we all have that where yeah. you either have an argument. In their case, obviously, it was more than an argument, but you have a hard conversation, and then it's like a belated. Wait a minute, what? I'm not okay with that, and I'm glad we, I'm glad we pushed him. First of all, the idea of him with Carrie, oh, which we love. Is mm -hmm. right. We we we've seen them a couple of times. I think the most prominent was on in the series when they were sitting on the stoops, stoop. and he has the basketball, and he thinks she's called him there because Miranda said stop hanging around, but she's called him there to really talk about Aiden. But he's already on a stoop talking to Carrie about what does Miranda want, what does she not want. Does she want me to stop hanging around? But this time, and it was really important because we love the idea of this being dropped in Carrie's lap because mm -hmm. it did start with her. It has She had nothing to do with the podcast meeting Miranda, but it is it is the dirty tennis ball that the golden retriever drops at her feet and goes, you introduce yeah. them. And also it's easier, I think, for Steve to point his finger at Carrie and say, when did you know, how long did you know mm -hmm. about this? Mm -hmm. Then to go after Miranda and to see her so throne thinking she's in the clear and then suddenly and heartbroken that she's trapped trapped for her trapped for him mm -hmm. and the, what i love is when you first see steve and he goes i want carrie she's wearing overalls and you go oh that's <laughs> so cute yes. no <laughs> subtext i'm getting carrie in a room and get information yeah mm -hmm. i want answers and then yeah. the ring of course the ring bringing them all together of course steve who is everything quite frankly he can do it all but he would be the one who would know how to take a, a, the joint apart and find the ring and come to her rescue. And he hands her that ring with that Band-Aid. And she sees what she's been worried about, what she's lost, in somebody else's hand. And it sort of just becomes not so powerful mm -hmm. in a weird way. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, when he says, this ring is never coming mm -hmm. off. It says Steve is staying married to it's Miranda. It's a little bit of a conflict. <laughs> yeah. like, For yeah. better or worse, right. Steve is not saying he's not married to Miranda, and he uses the word never coming off, 
Which implies, I think, in Steve's mind, that Miranda, I don't, he says even, I don't care how long or who she well, does. What she does. I'm still married. And that kind of blind denial of where that relationship actually is, is the thing that moves Carrie away from it her. Mm -hmm. her out mm -hmm. of her. Yeah, she doesn't want to be that. No, she wants to not be right. that. I want to talk for a second because I feel like the last time it was the precipice of Che and Miranda getting together, and I was I was glad and surprised. I had so many people saying, oh, I love that Che. That Che is amazing. Che could do no wrong. And then <laughs> I feel like in the last few episodes, it was like, Che's a player. I'm worried about Miranda. We wanted, when we were building Che, when Che was still this abstract, you know, combination of traits. We wanted to make sure Che wasn't a magical, perfect being mm -hmm. of every gender and every sexuality and every availability. You know, like we wanted to figure out what what would they clash over? What would be their arguments? And I'm glad at one point we talked about having a scene where after they were out at the restaurant and the fans come over and are, you know, gushing at Che and reminding Miranda how many people Che has slept with. We talked about having a scene where they were back at Che's apartment and Miranda was going to be asleep and Che was going to have gotten up in the middle of the night and was off mm. working or on their phone. And in that version, Miranda was going to wake up and have a total paranoid, you're not sleeping, is it because I'm here? And I'm so glad we didn't do that version because in the version where she knocks on the door, it's not an imagined paranoia. Che actually says, really wish you would have told me you were coming. Yeah. So it gives Che more agency and it gives, they are actually saying, this is this is what I don't like. And then, you know, Elise was talking about like when you're in development and you're actually shooting and filming. The reason the staircase is in the show is because we thought they were too smooth. Too lovey-dovey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And very... I remember saying, I want spikes. I want danger. I want, like, a mistake. I want a problem. I want something between them that isn't just folding into this... Melodrama. Something that we would mm -hmm. never yes. have done on Sex and the City, which is just two people meet and they're fine. <laughs> that And so the idea Yawn. of the staircase and the running away and Che being bewildered and shocked and chasing her downstairs and... Now I feel like, you know, Che's like Stanley and she's like Blanche or <laughs> in Streetcar, they're on Staircase and Che's sleeveless for a reason. It all feels very messy. Mm -hmm. And I like that. And you see Miranda's actually panicking. And she can't stand being seen as vulnerable, you know, so she's, oh, I did the wrong thing. I better leave. It's over. You know, like, I this is humiliating. She can't really stay in the uncomfortable. That's my favorite me. thing about the, their relationship. I, when Michael interviewed me for this job, um, one of the things I said was that I would really love to see Miranda completely undone by a new person because we don't get, like, she is so calm and controlled all the time. And I think it's like, really refreshing to see her, like, stumbling and vulnerable and, like, not knowing what she's doing. Sam, I believe you said to me, I want someone to top Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what you said in the interview. 
I was trying to keep it cute on the podcast, but yes, I did say that. <laughs> so this is what this run down the staircase is. It's out of control, and it leads to the cuter aspect of the show is that now Miranda is Charlotte at the at the house playing the rules, not doing. That's what Carrie says. What are you going to do? Say so you're washing your hair. Now, Charlotte, Miranda has been turned because of this, unable to control this relationship into some rules that women used to use in the 90s to control mm-hmm. their feelings about being with a man. Let's talk about Charlotte. As soon as this series was announced, the first jokes we got other than the Golden Girls was, but they're all in menopause, as if that means there are no stories to tell. When the menopause conversation came up, I had a story I was burning to tell, and I don't mind sharing it here, because... I have been going through my own little menopause journey, and I had never been part of many conversations about menopause, and so I had never heard about what might happen to me. And I, like Charlotte, thought I had made a very smooth transition into (laughs) (laughs) the change, as older ladies say, and... Um, was stunned to find out that I, after I thought I was done, I was experiencing exactly what Charlotte experienced, which was unexpected, out-of-the-blue periods that lasted 10 times longer than my old periods lasted and constantly caught me off guard. So Well, and the reveal, if you're okay with the the story, it's too good not to share. (laughs) Lisa and I live in Brooklyn. We happened to be out in L.A. on a work trip, and we were taking a bunch of meetings, and one of those meetings involved us passing by a receptionist and walking down a long hall to the office. (laughs) And later, when Elisa, I believe you were unpacking your suitcase. Well, the thing was, we we had about 10 meetings over two days. And it wasn't until—and I I thought I was on top of the situation while we were on that trip. And it wasn't until I was home— and unpacking my suitcase days later, because I don't unpack right away, always, that I realized I hadn't been on top of the situation. And <laughs> and Lisa found her skirt. It was a skirt, yes, right? Yes, it was a dress. Long skirt had a huge oh period stain in the back. Yes. And Lisa then... When in telling me the story, we had to replay every meeting we had and what <laughs> imagine would have seen all of the assistants ass. saying, Oh my god, that poor woman. There she, she doesn't know she has her suffice oh my god, to and say, her friend isn't telling her. Suffice to say, in a classic writing room way, the minute I heard Lee Elisa had a flash period, I was like, Yes, that's gotta go in the show. And then it became flash period. What can we do with that? And then of course, anyone who has, I don't. So people who have children who are going through uh, their teens have a whole other commitment to the idea of a period, which the room led the way on that. So many conversations that I and Julie and I and and, uh, other women I know are constantly, Julie and I both have teenage daughters, and, you know, we just, I was just out the other night with some of my mom friends who have some, you know, same age girls, and these conversations always lead to how different it is today for us as moms with our daughters versus 
the way our mothers. Well, just not to mention how different we are today on television, which is so what I love the most, Mm -hmm. that we're actually going to see Charlotte teaching uh, Lily how to to wear a tampon. This was the most exciting thing to me. I was thrilled. First of all, my sister taught me how to put a tampon, and we all started talking about who teaches us. And the fact that the, the girl who is Lily's age, who is both confident and sort of perfect uh mm-hmm. and also like i know everything i think it's yeah, safe to super say smart our mm-hmm. girls are nerves of steel they know everything yeah. and don't tell me what to do but here is something where they need help and what a perfect way to have first of all the joy for me of seeing charlotte who is so in control in most aspects of her life deal with her daughter because that is one area of your life no matter how well you have your shit together in every other area of your life when you have children you have no control over that and i think what's interesting is i feel like charlotte's perfect in this scene in the control i think she's phenomenal i think it's the strongest one of the strongest things i've ever seen of charlotte everything everything from the way she talks to lily when (laughs) lily's in the porta potty she's managing 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 and then she says you know the 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 funniest line which is i i love you i suppose you pull your own tampon string (laughs) you know like that's a bigger thing the story the story is this episode's called no strings attached and what we're really seeing is that there are strings everywhere people have relationships that they're tied to and in the 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 world of the show people are tied to the couples that they invest in. I want to say one other thing about Steve and Miranda, because I've heard a lot about how could they be here after they were on the bridge Mm. in the first movie. And yes, that was an incredibly, incredibly emotional recommitment to each other. But what people tend to forget is the moment before that, Miranda's looking at a list, pros and cons, And the cons on the list far outweigh Mm, the pros. pros. And what she actually gets up and goes to the bridge is because she sees the milk mustache on her face, which reminds her that her and Steve once had a laugh over that. Mm. So you can negotiate everything. And a giant swell of feeling seven years ago Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that wasn't authentic. Right. But that was what they were feeling in that moment. And now Miranda's in a different place. And the the bridge exists in their history. And guess what? So does zombie sex. Mm-hmm. But our job is not to facilitate in fairy tales mm-hmm. always. And that's what we tried to do with this episode was to show Carrie was sort of going to be in a fairy tale with Peter, the teacher. She was really going to put on a pretty outfit and go and meet him for dinner. And then she went to take her ring off and saw Big's ring. And all of a sudden, there was a string attached. Mm-hmm. She's still married in her mind. And she goes and meets Peter mm-hmm. in that very sweet scene where they acknowledge mm-hmm. that they're not ready to be there. And what happens at the end of the episode for Carrie, because she went to the house and she lost her ring, and Steve made the declaration of never taking his off, that at the end of the episode, she moves herself forward again by taking off a both rings. Not just Biggs, mm. but hers. Mm. And she is ready to go to strike three with Peter. And at that, Carrie moves 
firmly for the first time out of her marriage to Big and into the naked finger reality of being unattached. And just like that, we've reached the end of another podcast episode. Thanks, Samantha, Elisa, and Julie for today's conversation. We'll be back next week to unpack the finale of And Just Like That. See you then. This is the official companion podcast for the HBO Max show And Just Like That. And it's a production of HBO Max and Pineapple Street Studios. Our executive producers are Barry Finkel, Gabrielle Lewis, Max Zielinski, and Jenna Weiss-Berman. Our senior producer on the show is Emmanuel Hapsis. Jonathan Shiflett is our producer, and Janelle Anderson is our associate producer. Our managing producer is Aaron Kelly. Josh Gwynn is our story editor, and our engineers are Davey Sumner and Elliot Adler. Production music is courtesy of HBO Max. You can listen to the next episode of And Just Like That, the Writer's Room podcast, after watching the finale of And Just Like That on HBO Max. And don't forget to subscribe for new conversations every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show, like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hacks Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max.